Well, good morning. Welcome once again. Won't be long, it'll be Christmas. And uh, looks very different out there in the world than it has in the past time as I grew up. We see less and less of our nativity scenes. We see less and less of Jesus. Used to be he was the reason for the season, and now he seems to be everything to avoid. I've seen that uh, Kurt Cameron had written a, a children's book that spoke to growing up and growing up spiritually and having a connection with God. You know, things that we should be teaching our youths. And he's went to over 50 different libraries and willing to go in and to have a reading of his book, to share it with the, the children. And he's been denied time after time after time. And these same places will let what the word calls abominations have their reign. It's a very different times that we are living in because we keep putting less and less of God and more and more of the world just keeps coming forth. And with it, we have more acceptance of the dark and evil things. We have more acceptance of Satan. And whether you want to call it that or not, if you are not living for God, you are living for Satan. And we should strive to be more like Jesus. And I'm sure if you're listening today, if you're sitting in church today, if you're a, a Christian, that it's always on your heart to be more like Jesus. Well, it should be. But we're going to have to look at today and see, are we really living like Jesus? We need to be less of I and more of Him. Let's go to... To the Lord. Dear Heavenly Father, we just ask you to take myself out of the way today. Father, let your true message shine through. Open our hearts and minds to receive it. We ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Let's look at Ephesians 2, verse 8. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, for which God have obtained that we should walk in them. And I was trying to find a verse that fit the subject matter for today of being more like Jesus. And so many times we are everything but. We, uh, for the last couple weeks, we were looking at some of the different sides of Jesus. Some of the things that we tend to avoid because it doesn't fit the nice, comfortable mold that we have of Jesus. But you know, if we want to be truly like Him, if we want to rise up, you know, we are made in the image of God. He has a purpose for us. He has a future for us. We have a reason to be here. We need to know 
who he is. And we can't just pick and choose what we like, what we can get away with doing without upsetting the balance of the world. What doesn't make us uncomfortable, we have to accept and be like all of him. The word tells us to put on the whole armor of God. You know, them armor suits that we see the knights wear in olden times, them things are, are big and they're heavy and they're bulky. But if you start taking pieces away, they become ineffective because there's vulnerable spots that allow you to take damage. And if we're going by today's standards and we're only picking and choosing what we want, what we can get away with without the world looking down upon us because we're not fitting the mold of what the world says we should be, we would be wearing very little. So are we being like Jesus? You know, people are trying to discredit Jesus. And of course, that's all part of Satan's fan, uh, is plan, because he's a liar. He's a deceiver. He wants to take whatever God says, and he wants to twist it around and make something different about it. So we have parties out there that want to say that Jesus wasn't real. Jesus was merely just a man. Jesus wasn't the Son of God. And then we have others that come out and say, well, Jesus is the Son of God, but he's like this. Well, we have to read between the lines and see that I can do what I want to do and Jesus is okay with that because we don't simply understand. And once again, we can't go into the Word of God and be trying to mold it to how we feel. We have to go into the Word of God with an open mind and receive from it what the truth is. And then we have to adapt our lives to fit that truth, not the other way around. And so many times that we, we do that because we don't want to change. We want to be who we are and still have that connection with God. You know, I don't care who you are, what your background is, your ethnicity, whatever your orientation is, whatever your situation is, we are all made in God's image. And each and every one of us start off with that disconnect because we don't have that Jesus whole field until we accept him and allow him to come into us and allow him to change our lives. But we all have that longing for it. And we see so many lives that are in shambles because they're trying to fill that void with all kinds of other things. All these things of the world, all the things that the world tells us will make this better, but we are hardwired. It is programmed into us for us to seek Jesus. We need him. 
We need him. He is our savior and we have to have him to have that connection restored with God. He is that missing piece that we all need. And you can say you're the biggest atheist. You don't believe everything like that. You still have that void. And you can say it's anything else. But I guarantee you have that void. And nothing can seem to fill it. And you wonder why these people are so militant about, well, God's not real, Jesus isn't real, and all these things on there, and science, 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 and pushing all these different things. It's because they're trying to fill a hole that can't be filled with things of the world. And we all have it. So what do we do? Jesus lived a sinless life. He faced all the challenges that we face today, and he was able to come through victorious without sin. You know, and that's the thing. If you follow Jesus, if you strive to be more like him, there is no downside to it. There is nothing that Jesus did that is going to cause you harm, it's going to harm others, that is going to reduce the satisfaction of your life. Now folks, I'm speaking to this from a, a non-believer standpoint, someone that's in the world, if we just want to look at, at Science or whatever you want to say and just look at the life that Jesus led and you want to leave your life that way, there is no downside to it. But from a life of faith, from a believer's side, we know that not only is there no downside, but it's all upside. This is how we restore our connection with God. This is how we retain salvation. This is how we secure our spot in heaven. This is how we have that instant connection with God, how we can tap into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus tells us that we will do things such as he did and even greater things. And we have to ask ourselves, if that's the case, why do we not seeing these things happen? Well, number one, and we've talked about it many, many times, is that we have a severe lack of faith. It only takes the grain of a mustard seed to speak to the mountain and tell it to move, but yet we do not have it. We are filled full of doubt. We are filled full of fear. We are filled for worry and anxiety. If something doesn't happen instantly, we think it's not going to happen. We keep grumbling and moaning and complaining, and begging, and pleading, we have no faith. And then, we do not model ourselves after Jesus. We walk around faithless, and we pick and choose, and we pick and choose the days of the week, and the persons that we want to interact with in a certain way, but it's not Continual. Now we're talking about Jesus cleansing the temple. 
It didn't matter to him who was standing in front of him. It could be Pharisees, it could be chief priests, it could be the common folk. He spoke the truth. He didn't have a different set of guidelines. He didn't have a different demeanor based on who was in front of him. He loved the sinners. They asked him, why are you eating with sinners and, and politicians? Because they're in the ones that are in need of it. A church is supposed to be a hospital for the sick. But yet, if someone walks in and they don't look like us, act like us, dress like us, if they have any blemishes in their past, if they're not willing to conform and change and bend because we say so, because we feel that that's the way we should do it, because we have manipulated the Word of God and we pick and choose what we want, and if you don't decide and go with what we want as well, then you're not welcome. You know, we're all works in progress. And it takes hearing the word. It takes time and prayer. It takes time for that Holy Spirit to get a hold of you, for that conviction to set in, for that heart to change, and for there to be a change in people. And we don't want that to cultivate and to happen. Either you're in or you're out. And that is not a model of what Jesus is telling us. We see all through the Word of God that God's people, people with the heart of God, they had their ups, they had their downs. They had some bad things happen in their past. They made mistakes. The constant is, is that God stays the same. He loves them the same. He treats them the same. And this allows this to cultivate what's inside them, and then they change. They can recover, and they can move back to that position with God. And we have other examples where we see what seems to be a, a flawless beginning but yet, certain things that fall out of God's truths begin to take hold. We let that armor come down, and it leads to disaster. Like King Saul, like Solomon. But we have to give opportunity for God to work. Everything we do, we like to put that I in front of it. I did this. I made that. I made this happen. 
This is my group. My Everything is so self-centered with us. You know what we hear Jesus talk about? He says, my father's house. He said, my father's ways. He is constantly talking about God. Now here he is. He is God in human form. But he is still giving his praise to God. He goes and he gets baptized. Not because he has to accept God. Not because he has sinned. Not because he's doing anything other than giving us an example of what we should do. It was an outward showing of what we should do. Everything that Jesus did is an example to us. And that's why we can't Throw part of it away. That's why we can't overlook part of it. It's all part of who he is and it's all examples to us. But we as humans, we want all the credit. We want all the glory. You know, we say things like self-made, built from scratch. And in reality, none of us can do anything without God. You know, one of the famous verses is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He has to. You know, we think of ourselves as so great and so grand, and we put people, mankind, on such pedestals for whatever the reason, that we treat them as gods. We treat them above and beyond anything that we ever do for our true Heavenly Father. We can't do anything without Him. We are made in His image. We look at the different talents that people can do. Oftentimes we say that's a God-given talent. And that is. And we see the way that different people's minds work. And I can only imagine what it was like before the fall. Before sin came into the world, that how much that has changed our thought process and what our minds can do. So I believe that God has given us everything. All of that is there. It's just that sin and the world has put a barrier between us and our abilities. Jesus said that we can do things that he did and greater. He wouldn't have said it if it's not true. There are barriers that we allow to stay into place. We don't have our prayers answered because of barriers that we allow to stay in place. We can't receive from the kingdom of heaven because of barriers that we allow to stay in place. 
And many of that is because that we do not want to be like Jesus. But of course we do. But yet we don't. Because the human side, the sinly side, the worldly side has too much control over what we do. Back in Matthew 4, 1 through 11, we talk about the temptation of Jesus. And again, that's an example. Of course, Jesus had to be tempted because we are tempted each and every day. So he wasn't exempt from it. He had to be able to face it. And he faced it with Satan himself. And what does he do? First of all, Satan comes at us when we're, we're weak. And Jesus said, no, I'm not going to turn them rocks into bread. And he quoted scripture. But how many of us are willing to compromise to have our feelings subsided? We are very driven by how we feel. You get hungry, you get grumpy. You don't feel good, you get grumpy. You get anxious, you have fear, you get angry, you get sad. And these things can alter the choices that we make. How many times do we make a choice... That is driven by how we feel. Big things, small things. You know, we really should have a salad, but the burger joint's a lot closer. And we want that situation taken care of now. Then Satan takes Jesus up and he shows these all these things that... He can have. All you got to do is, is bow down. How many of us are willing to compromise for what we need or what we want? And it doesn't have to be, have to be big things. It's just little things along the way. You know, uh, they might offer you an extra day of, of overtime. Well, that's great because I can get some extra money. And we see people do things all the time for money. Because money represents anything. You can take money and you can turn it into food. You can turn it into a car. You can turn it into a house. You can turn it into whatever you want, whatever you need. It's the universal fixer. So it's one of the grandest things that people are compromised with. We see people do heinous crimes. But even the small things. Oh yeah, I can work a couple extra days this week. And that seems pretty harmless. But what are, you, what are you giving up? 
See, the older I get, and as the, the clock begins to speed up, you realize what a commodity time is. When you're, you're doing a, a bid for a job, you have to look at your material cost, what kind of tools you're going to need, and your time. How many hours is it going to take? How many days is it going to take? How many people are going to be involved? But the thing is, we can always get more stuff. We can always make more money. But time is something that we can't get back. It's an unrenewable resource. And how many of us are willing to trade this commodity that we can't get back for money, for some other thing? What kind of value do we, do we put on that? Most of the time, the things that we want so bad that we sacrifice and scrimp and we save for, it's not that really special once we get a hold of it. Or in time, it will fade. It'll break. Many times we, we move it on. But what are we giving up? Then Satan says, hey, throw yourself off of here. These angels, they're going to they're gonna catch you. Why don't you prove who you are? Why don't you prove who you are? And see, we are always trying to impress people. We're trying to prove who we are to them. You know, it starts very early. You know, we have, the, we have peer pressure. We have to look cool to the other kids, to our friends. And then we have to, even if we grow up into adults in the, in the workplace, we have to excel and we have to stand out because we are trying to prove ourselves to the, the higher authority. To the bosses. We're trying to prove ourselves to the other people. We're trying to prove our worth. We're trying to showcase our talent. And all for what? But yet, when it comes to God, we don't want to show out for Him. We don't want to show who we are in Christ. We don't want to stand up for Him. And in the end, when we're standing before that great throne of judgment, when we're recounting for every event in our lives, all this earthly stuff isn't going to matter. Do you know uh, that we, as we grow and we change, we don't always keep the same set of friends? 
that it changes through our, our lifetime. I mean, there's exceptions to that, and there's, of course, but as a majority, that we, our friends change. Our circles change. We pair off. We marry. We start our lives, our family. These careers that we start and we build these groups with within our, our work structure, you know, as soon as you change, you go to another job, company downsizes, you lose contact with all those people. You don't talk to them anymore. They're not part of your lives. How many of you stay in contact with the people you went to school with? I had 420 some odd people in my graduating class. I occasionally see one now and then when you pass on the street. Hi, how you doing? I've changed careers multiple times and each time you leave that segment away and you move on to something else and you form new bonds and new groups. We're constantly evolving. But during that time, we're working so hard to impress. So much so that that takes priority. And when you get that opportunity to talk about God, to tell someone about Jesus, you tend to hold back. Because Jesus isn't cool right now. All the things of the world that we're seeing right now, breaking up of the family structure, gender identity, all these things that the the world says that we need to be embracing go against what the Word of God says. So it's making us draw a line in the sand. So are we going to go with what the world says? Or are we going to go with what God says? And we have to make this choice. And who do we want to really impress? Do we want to impress God? Do we want to hear him say, well done, my faithful servant? Or do we want to be part of this group that doesn't really matter and they don't really care that much for you? You know, you're fine as long as you're doing your part, you're contributing, but as soon as you're not needed anymore, as soon as you're you're less than the expectations of everyone around you, you're set aside. Who are we trying to impress? God is the only one that matters. And we go back to Jesus in that temple. 
And we talked about it a time or two before that, you know, this would not be the popular thing to do. That he didn't make any friends with the people that he's turning over their tables and messing up their livelihood and running them out. You know, here it was. This was their big payday for that day. And he's, he's running them out. He's making a mess of things. But the thing of it was, he was doing God's work. When he walked down into that stream with John the Baptist, the skies opened up and God was proud. That was for God. That was him showing. That was his example. It may not always be comfortable. You know, can you imagine you putting yourself in, in his sandals? And when you're sitting down, you're eating with all the unsavory people. And within earshot, you hear people saying, why is he doing that? Why is he with them? Are you okay with that? When people say that about you, oh, well, look at this Christian. Look at this Bible thumper. Look at this crazy person. But the thing is, we want to be the right kind of crazy. We want to be the right kind of different. Not the, the judgmental kind that we talked about last week. We want to be helpful. We want to be accepting. We want to be more like Jesus. Used to be them little bracelets and bumper stickers you see everywhere. Now, not anymore because, you know, that's the world we live in today. What would Jesus do? And that's a, a really good and simple thing that we can ask ourselves if we'll just take the time to think before we act and think before we speak. If Jesus was standing in my place, how would he deal with this situation? Should I go in and should I cleanse the temple? Well, the world's going to tell us no. Because these people are just trying to make some money. They're just doing what they can. And that's some toxic masculinity. And we don't need to be doing that kind of stuff because that's just bad for everybody. We need to just bypass all that because all that's nonsense and we look at what Jesus did. And Jesus was compassionate when he needed to be compassionate. He was loving when he needed to be loving. He showed mercy 
when he needed to show mercy. But he was also brave and he was strong and he stood up as a leader. He stood up as an example when those times arised too. He was the whole package. He was everything that he needed to be for God every time that he needed to do it, including when he willingly, willingly. See, that's one thing that we need to all understand. No man put Jesus on the cross. Jesus willingly gave himself as a sacrifice for all of us. He willingly did it for you and for me. For our past transgressions, for our current and future ones. To restore our place with God. To restore our connection. To give us all these things. We're in that that season right now when we should be thinking about giving. And all of us have already received the greatest gift. But for many of us, we've taken it. We haven't unwrapped it. We've set it on the shelf. We put it down in the basement. We've forgotten about it. And it sits there unused. You know, being like Jesus is like using a piece of workout equipment. It takes some discipline to get started with it. You know, we have to be disciplined to get into the world, into the Word. We have to put the time in. It takes going to it day after day, a few times a week. It takes consistency. And there's going to be times that it's uncomfortable. There's going to be times that it hurts. The muscles get sore. But it's all part of the process, so we come back stronger. Being more like Jesus means taking out the bad stuff. When we're using that equipment, we're burning the fat. We're burning off the carbs. We are adding muscle. We are strengthening. We are gaining flexibility. And it's going to be uncomfortable on the way, but the end result is so much better. And once you get through that that period of adjustment, that's when you really see the results. You start to feel better, you look better, your body works better. And pretty soon you start to not miss what you've perceivingly given up. And that's one thing I want to like to stress so much today. Because everyone thinks that when you're siding with Jesus... When you're going to that side, that you're having to give up so much. 
God's only instructed us to give up the stuff that is no good for us. To make room for the abundance of goodness that he has for us. You know, the word uses things, expressions like cups runneth over and plentiful. And we don't realize what true goodness is and true love is. You know, we look for, for, th- for things and experiences and things like that to make us happy. And you know, some of the richest people in the world, some of the most powerful and famous people in the world still commit suicide because they're so unhappy. Because things are not where it's at. Now, God doesn't care if we have things and if it's not affecting our relationship with him and it makes you happy. Yes, he wants us to have and have our conveniences and these kind of things like that. So don't think we have to live in poverty. But there are things that are so much greater than just things of the world. Living in faith, living day to day without having to worry about anxiety and doubt and fear, that's amazing. When you wake up and you know that God's got everything under control and you're in his hands and you belong to him, that's the kind of thing that happiness is made of. Knowing that you're going to have enough because he is your source and he is your provision. And we don't have to worry so much about relying on ourselves to hunt and gather and and fall under this earth curse. That brings you peace. That's what we're really looking for to quell all of our feelings is to have a peace that only God can bring. Jesus was very productive. He only had a very short time that he was on this earth. And he started, he started young, and he was very productive. Everything that he did had meaning and purpose, and he didn't squander his time. We have these Gospels that talk about his time here. And John tells us that there's not enough books to write down everything that he did. So we got the the highlights of what we really needed to know. He had purpose. Are we living a purpose-driven life? Are we making good choices? Are we using Him as our filter? There's so much more than what we are already doing. And if you have an emptiness, if you have a longing, I don't care if you've been in church every single day. I don't care where you are. If there feels like there's something missing, there's a good chance there is. 
Maybe you've accepted Jesus, but yet you still feel some void. Maybe it's because you haven't allowed him to expand. Maybe because you're trying to keep him boxed in and not change you. Maybe you've never experienced that at all. Maybe you're still on the fence. Maybe there's too many things in the world that's got barriers up that's blocking you from receiving from him. It's never too late. There's always time to change and turn things around. But we individually have to make that choice. Are you ready to make that choice today?